Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. There's nothing like 70 degrees and raining to get you in the Christmas spirit, right? Hey, I'm honored you guys are here. If you're a guest today, uh, my name's Trey Kelly. I'm lead pastor here. And um, man, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited about Christmas. I, I love Christmas. Um, I know not everyone has, has this, this experience, but in my family growing up, uh, Christmas was a huge deal. Um, I was really blessed. I grew up uh, in, a, in a home. Uh, I have one sister. Uh, both my parents uh, were, were, were alive in time. My dad died about two years ago, but they were alive. All four of my grandparents were alive my entire childhood. Uh, my mom has a brother and a sister, and my dad has three sisters. And our families always uh, lived, well, we didn't, but we always came home. But both sets of grandparents lived in the same town. And so, like, Christmas was this massively magical time for us. Everybody actually got along with each other. We enjoyed each other's presence. And so I grew up just, this whole season was just magic. <clears throat> and then I became an adult. And I realized the magic didn't just happen. You got to plan the magic. And you got to prepare for the magic. And you have to pay for the magic. (laughs) And so the season shifted a little bit as I I got older, as, as it fell on my shoulders. And you realize not every... Body got along as well as you thought they got along. (laughs) You were at the kid table, so you didn't know what was going on at the adult table. And you realize that everybody everybody comes and enjoys the magic. Not everyone helps prepare the magic. Some people like to eat the magic, but they don't like to clean up after the magic. Some of you know what I'm saying. If you don't know what I'm saying, I'm talking about you. Pots and pans don't clean themselves, folks. <laughs> but no, then you, you have to pay for the gifts, and you have to prepare the gifts, and you have to make sure everyone has the right gift. And sometimes you give a gift, and you're all excited about it, but then they get a different gift, and they're more excited about that. And the magical season you are having is gone because your feelings are hurt. And that's the thing about Christmas. It's not a day, right? It's a season. It's a season. And when you're a little kid, it's magical. There's decorations every there. There's parties. You have parties at school. Then when you become an adult, you realize you've got to plan the party at school. And you've got to take supplies for the party at school. You've got to bake cookies. Excuse me. You've got to buy cookies for the party at school. The whole season... You have to live in that tension of who do I need to get a gift for and who's going to get me a gift. And so you kind of panic every time somebody knocks on your door all Christmas season. You're like, who is it? Because it might be a person you don't have a gift for. And so you have, anybody have like the stash of like emergency gifts? <laughs> or again, let's be clear, emergency re-gifts. 
You got the little closet of candles people have given you over the years in bags. So it's, oh, well, I thought of you as well. And they're like, I gave this to you two years ago. No, you didn't. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then and you got to be in the Christmas spirit the whole season. Even though when you go to Costco, there's 8 billion people there. And even though after you've slaved over the dinner that Uncle Carl did not like, and he made it very clear he did not like the meal. It wasn't the way Sarah used to cook it. And so when Carl's done, he just leaves the plate. He goes, he takes your chair in the den. That's right, your chair. (laughs) Takes your remote, puts it on some black and white Western. Nobody wants to watch, but you can't talk because he turned it up so loud that no one could do anything. Merry Christmas. And if your name is Carl, I apologize. I always use the name Carl because there's nobody in my family named Carl. But I always think there's somebody who, li- who comes to church or is online. I'm like, why are you always picking on Carl? Because <laughs> I don't have it in my family named Carl. They don't make a thing I'm talking about them. I joke, but I don't. Some of you are like, you ain't joking, dog. Were you at my house last Christmas? For a season, it's supposed to be so joyous, so fun, so happy, celebrating such a monumentous moment in human history. Let's be honest for a second. Don't raise your hand, but let's look. It's a lot. Christmas can overwhelm us. We can be overwhelmed by the tasks. We can be overwhelmed by the expectations. We can be overwhelmed by the emotions we feel. Maybe because of who's not at this Christmas. Um, We can be overwhelmed because the picture we had in our heads of what Christmas would look like when we were adults isn't quite the reality we have. So this season, with all this expectation we're not careful, can actually begin to deplete our souls. And when it's all over and when we're cleaning up and getting ready for the new year, we'll just feel <sighs> tired, worn down, unappreciated. And so if you've ever felt that way, if you currently feel that way, or if you could see a world in which you might feel that way in the future, welcome to our church. Because today we're launching a series called Christmas Break. And let me tell you what this series is not. It is not some sort of Jesus juke to say you shouldn't worry about decorations and gifts and parties and you should just worry about Jesus. Look, if you're at church in December, you get the meaning of Christmas. You get it. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus. God who came to earth, who put on skin, who lived the perfect sinless life to lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be reconnected to our Heavenly Father. We celebrate his birth Hey, Christmas, you get that, I get that, we, we get that. And we're going to talk about Jesus. Obviously, we're going to celebrate Jesus, but, but that's not the point 
of this series. The best way for me to explain the point of this series is to tell you a story. And it's a story that comes from a, a, a book, which is actually a Bible study um, that, that, that we did as a staff this year. Um, it's written by this guy named Peter Schizero, and it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it's, it's, it's life-changing, and our hope over the next 6 to 12 months is to be able to offer it to groups to be able to do um, themselves. But in this book, is Schizero begins one of his chapters. He tells a story that's not really going to be relatable for most of us. He tells the story of Midwestern farmers. I don't think we have many Midwestern farmers here, but he talks about one of the dangers associated with being a farmer in the Midwest because their fields are huge, huge, huge fields. And in the wintertime, blizzards are a major problem for, for Midwestern farmers. Again, if you're from the South, we don't know what that is. Uh, for us, a blizzard is three flakes and the world shuts down. But some of you are from farther north, and you, you have experienced a blizzard, and you take great pride telling us we don't know what to do. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. But we see what you do when a hurricane is a week out, so we laugh at you too, all right? We're like, unless that hurricane is an hour from the house, I'm not doing anything. You'll learn. You'll learn. Anyway, anyway, so, so farmers in, in the Midwest, blizzards are a danger for them because blizzards can come on quickly, and there's a phenomenon that occurs during a blizzard. You may be familiar with it called a whiteout, uh, which is simply the blizzard, uh, the, the wind, the snow starts blowing so hard that, that, that you, you can't see. Like sometimes you can't even see six inches, a foot, two feet in front of you, and so this becomes a problem if you're a farmer, especially if you're out, you're trying to uh, batten everything down before the, the storm comes. Uh, unfortunately, farmers from time to time would get stuck outside in a whiteout and not be able to find their way home. And there are reports of, of farmers uh, losing their life feet from their back door. But it was because they just simply didn't know which direction and so farmers are really smart. They started doing this thing where they would attach a rope to their back door. And some would then just run that rope all the way to the barn. Others, if they had to go out, they would attach the back rope and then they would attach it to themselves. So that no matter where they were in the storm, no matter what they were doing, they always had a rope. They always had something that could lead them back home. It was safety. It was security in the midst of chaos. Now, as Kazara tells a story for the same reason I'm telling the story, he uses the blizzard as a metaphor for our lives. And here's what he says. He says, we live in a blizzard, and few of us have a rope. We live in chaos. We live overwhelmed by the demands of life and comparisons to other people and the need to achieve. And we don't know where to turn. And it feels chaotic. And the reality is very few of us 
have a rope. Some of us think we have ropes. We think we have outs. And we find out the hard way, oh, that actually didn't lead me home, did it? That actually led me further away. And so the point of this series, especially at Christmas, is to help us discover some ropes in our storm. And even more important than the rope is what the rope is anchored to. Because it's very possible you're living in a storm. The storm begins when we say yes to too many things. And then we look around and we're confused because it feels like everybody else is thriving while you're suffocating. And so we lean in and we try harder and we do more and we try to multitask and we just push and we push and we achieve and we achieve and we please and we please and we find ourselves depleted and then life happens. Something unforeseen, a tragedy, a conflict, or the calendar turns to December. (laughs) And we add on to our daily lives the expectation of Christmas, of the season, of having the Christmas spirit, of getting the right gifts. And the reason we're doing this series here in December is because I believe there are many people who normally live pretty healthy lives or what they think are healthy lives. But then the Christmas season, the, the needs, the desires, the expectations turn it up. And we all can admit, don't, don't raise your hand, but we all can admit, yeah, sometimes it really does feel like I'm living in a blizzard. It does feel like I don't know which way to turn. And yeah, I'd, I'd love a rope. I'd love to be sure I was moving towards home. And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the reason we called it Christmas break is we're going to talk about some habits that God's people have embraced basically ever since he began trying to have a relationship with us. And at the core, they involve taking a break, breaking, creating space in the chaos to reconnect with our Heavenly Father. And I know even when I say that, some of you want to push back. You're like, I'm sorry, did you just say take a break at Christmas? Where in the world am I going to find time to create Right. And look, I get that. So I want to say something right at the top that I'm not sure you've heard me say before, but I'm going to say this, okay? Over the course of this series, we're going to learn some habits. We're going to learn some practices that I believe Jesus blesses to lead us back to him. But here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? You do not have to do these practices, all right? You don't, you don't have to do them. It's not a sin issue, if you don't do them. So go ahead and 
because the last thing I want to do is add more to your plate right now. You don't have to. I believe they'll bless your life. I believe they're gifts God's given us to help us feel a closer relationship with him and closer, be, be closer connected with him, but it's not a sin issue, okay? So you, you don't have to do it. So, so don't worry that we're adding more to your plate. Here's another thing I want to say. You have full permission to take notes, to listen, and to put a pin in this and try it in January, okay? You don't, you don't, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this now. But what I want to encourage you to do is put aside all the reasons why you don't have time, there's no space in your life for a break, why you can't do this. Put all that aside because you don't have to do it. You can wait and do it later. But put all that aside for the next few weeks. Because my hope is that your heart will be opened to what Jesus actually offers. And you're not going to hear what Jesus is offering if you come to the table saying, here's why I can't do it. Because if he were here today, here's what he would say. He would say, you're right. You can't do it. If you could do it, you wouldn't need me. But if you listen, and if you'll be open, and if you'll trust, I can provide those ropes. I can provide that anchor. I can give you peace in the storm. Now, as I said, we're going to talk about a couple of practices over the next few weeks. But today, I just want to take you to a text, which is a promise from Jesus, which is how we know we can trust what he offers. I mean, if you've been around our church for a long time, you know often week one of a series is kind of an introduction to the series. That's what this is. Week one, this is an intro, kind of introducing the concept, getting us all on the same page. And over the next two weeks, we'll really dive down and, and help flesh out um, the two practices we're going to talk about uh, near the end of today. So there's a really good, good chance that at the end of the day, you might have more questions than answers. And that's okay. That's good. Because my hope is those are questions you'll wrestle with this week by yourself, with your family, hopefully with your Savior. And so as you currently just think about the way life feels and the way you feel like life's going to feel moving in to this Christmas season, if you get any sense of being overwhelmed, any sense of weariness, any sense of, whew, I'm not sure I'm ready for this, if it makes you quicken your breath and you don't even know why, before we get to the practices, I just want to remind you what your Savior thinks when you feel that way. It's a familiar promise. We talk about it a lot here at our church because I think it's one of the most powerful things Jesus says to us. And he says it in all seasons. But it's especially meaningful to us when we all feel the weight of the expectation and a little overwhelmed by what's coming. Here's what he says. He says, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He says, when you feel tired, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel exhausted, I want you to know you can be safe with me. I want you to come to me. Who? All. That means you. 
That means Jesus doesn't look at you the way the world sometimes looks at us and says, really, you're overwhelmed right now? What's wrong with you? Why can't you do all this? Why can't you get it together? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you assume that's how Jesus feels? Because that's how we feel about ourselves, right? We look at ourselves and say, you're tired again? You're overwhelmed again? What's wrong? Look at Sally. Look at what she does. Look at Carl. There's, there's Carl again. Look at Carl. They've got more kids than you. They're doing more things than you. Their house is way better decorated than yours. Why are you tired? What is your problem? That's how, that's how we speak to ourselves. It's quite possible that's how some of us speak to each other. Your Savior doesn't say that. He acknowledges, hey, you're weary. Hey, you're carrying heavy burdens. And this season is especially wearying. I was talking to a buddy this week. This is exactly what he said. He said, man, I wish I could have snapped my fingers and it'd be January. Just to get through this season. And what Jesus is saying is, I get that you feel that way. I put on skin. I lived your, your life 33 years. I know what it feels like to be weary. I know what it feels like to carry heavy burdens. I don't judge you. I don't look down on you. I'm not confused by it. I invite you to come to me. To bring me your weariness. To bring me your burdens. And what does Jesus promise? He says, I will give you rest. I know for some of you, rest is a dirty word. Because rest is weak. Right? Rest is for the weak. We'll rest when we die. <clears throat> all right. You know, all rest means is restore. It means renew. It means going into the day, the week, the month, the season filled with Jesus. You know what that brings? That brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and wait for it, self control. That thing you need at Costco when there's 8 billion people there. <laughs> now Jesus says, hey, hey, come to me. Remember the season's about me. When you feel overwhelmed, come, come to me. And I'll give you rest. There's a condition to this promise. It's universally given but there's something we have to do we have to go we have to tell him that we are weary we have to tell him that we have heavy burdens and then he invites us to do something take my yoke upon you now if you're not familiar with, with the term a yoke was the, was the tool that the, the ox used 
to plow a field, but by Jesus' time, yoke also meant a rabbi's teaching. And we know that's what he meant because he keeps going. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. This is the part we miss. Many of us are very comfortable going to Jesus. Many of us are comfortable saying, Jesus, here's all my problems. But then we just want him to fix them. But the fix happens as we follow. I need to say that again. The fix happens as we follow. He says, you're weary. You're carrying heavy burdens. You know what that means? We're trying it in our own strength. We're walking our own path. We're doing our own thing. We got to go to our Savior. We got to lay it down. We got to say, hey, can you teach me? Can you show me the way? And he says, absolutely. I would love to teach you. I would love to guide you. And again, this is universal. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. And basically every series we've ever done at our church for one issue or one topic or the other is we go to Jesus, we lay down our way, and we pick up his way. We just finished a series on gratitude. And the point was we get to go and we get to lay down our way and we pick up his way because his way is going to lead to rest. As a church, we did love and be for three weeks. You know why? Because we were laying down our way and picking up his way, caring for our community. And so he says, even in this issue, when you feel overwhelmed, come to me, let me teach you. And I know for some of you, the idea of letting somebody teach you, even that is, is tough because you think back to the teachers you've had in your life and you think back to, to the trainers you've had and you think back to the yelling and to the screaming and the so much yelling. You think back to when you learned how to ride a bike or maybe when you taught your kids how to ride a bike. I know I, one of, the, one of the worst days of my life was the day I tried to teach David how to ride a bike. We laugh about it now, thank God, but he's going to be in trauma therapy forever about it. <laughs> I was not a good teacher. Many of us have not had good teachers. And so when we hear that Jesus wants to be our teacher, we want to push back. But Jesus assures us. He says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. He's like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. I'm a humble teacher. I don't get frustrated. I don't yell. I don't scream. I don't say, what's wrong with you, man? Why can't you figure this out? Because I've lived it. And I was God. And I know how tough it is. And if you read my story, Jesus would say, you do too. Because you know, on the night it was supposed to go down, on the night I was going to be arrested, on the night everything was happening, I asked my dad three times for permission to not do it. Because I was weary. And I was carrying a heavy burden. And I wanted out. <clears throat> and I went to my dad and he strengthened me and I did it. So I get it. I understand how difficult it is. I understand what a struggle it is. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not, not going to laugh at you. I'm not going to roll my eyes. I'm not, there's no clock. I'm not going to get frustrated and leave the room. I'm not going to ignore you for a week. I'm a good teacher. And if you'll let me, I will teach you a better way. 
Oh, and oh, you will find rest for your soul. And he tells us why we can believe him. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. It's easy. But it's going to require me and you and all of us to reorient our lives. We can't just go to Jesus and say, I'm overwhelmed, I need help. As we take his yoke, what he does is he begins to point out the things in our life that are overwhelming us. He begins to point out where we're getting our cues and where we're actually taking lead and who we're comparing ourselves to and how we're measuring success. And Jesus lovingly says, hey, is that working for you? Because I have a better way. I have another option. And again, this is what we talk about every week as a church. This is a universal promise from Jesus that, that too many Christians miss. I don't know about you, but so often I look for every rope in my life and try to get all the fixes, and when nothing else works, then I call Jesus. Let's be clear. Oftentimes, he's our last resort. And he's not mad at us because of that. He just says, hey, I want to be your first call. I want to be your anchor in the storm. And I want to be that all year long, but especially in this season that is supposed to be about celebrating me. And we allow the season and the expectations and the emotions and the hurt and the grief, which is all valid, to overwhelm because we don't know where to turn. Jesus says, come to me. Bring your burdens to me. Lay them down. And let me teach you how to live. And I keep saying this is it's universal because it is. But for this specific series, I told you we're going to talk about two practices that I believe keep us anchored in the storms of life. To go back to the Scazzaro metaphor. So what I want to do real quickly, we're going to wrap up, is I want to share two ropes with you. And again, I'm just painting the picture today. We're going to flesh these out over the next two weeks. You do not have to go try these today. You do not have to do these ever if you don't want to. But here's what I know. They are changing my life. They are changing our team's life. Because these practices keep us anchored to our Savior in the blizzards of life. They give us time daily and weekly to return to him, to lay down our burdens, to pick up his teachings, and to move forward. So like I said, briefly, I want to explain them to you, uh, and then we're done, okay? So the first one has a terrible name. I'm going to tell you at the top. It's a terrible name, but it's an ancient practice, and I don't feel equipped to change the name at this point. 
but it's a terrible name. The two rivers, the first one we're going to talk about is the daily office, terrible name. And the second one we're going to talk about is the weekly Sabbath, better name. Now, some of you maybe grew up in church, you might be familiar with the concept of a weekly Sabbath. Um, it was a gift God gave to the nation of Israel that I believe during Jesus' time, he said, hey, this is still for, for all of us. This is still available. And the weekly Sabbath is simply an invitation from Jesus for 24 hours a week to stop and to rest in him. And I feel you rolling your eyes. But it's a gift. It's a rope that he offers us in the storm. Now, the daily office, another, another way people talk about the daily office is fixed hour prayers. The daily office is similar to a weekly Sabbath in that it's, it's daily, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, usually twice a day, maybe more, where you pre-decide that there's going to be a time in your day, morning, afternoon, afternoon, evening, whatever works for you, a time in your day where you're going to stop and you're going to reconnect with Jesus. It's simply a moment to let the chaos go away, to find your rope, to go back to your anchor and say, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Yeah, you just saw that. It's been a day. And it's going to be a day. So I'm here to lay it down, to ask for your wisdom, to ask for your guidance, to ask for your strength, to ask for your encouragement so that I can continue to go about my day. And I know, I know adding something to your day in and of itself seems overwhelming. I know adding something to your week in and of itself feels overwhelming, which is why I already told you, you don't have to do this. These are gifts. You're not sinning if you don't do them. So you don't have to do them. So, so take a breath. You have permission to wait till January. But here's the question I want you to think about this week. And then we're done. One question. As you go about your day, as you go about your week, as the chaos rises, as you hear the winds blow, as you start to see the snowflakes, maybe you find yourself in a blizzard. Here's the question I want you to ask. Would this season be better or worse if I were anchored to my Savior? That's it. That's it. You don't have to make a plan to change. You don't have to embrace any of these practices yet. I believe God's Holy Spirit will open our eyes if we all agree to, to ask this question. When you leave here today, my, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will remind you over and over and over to ponder this question this week. Would this season, would this moment, would this be better or worse if I were anchored to Jesus? If I knew he was in charge, and if I knew he was going to equip me, and if I knew he wanted to rest for me in this moment, and if I knew he had a path and a way and a yoke and a teaching that he wanted to give me, and that if I trust him, he'll guide me through this. That's your question. And look, if during this week you ask that question, and the answer is, oh, it will be worse if I'm anchored to Jesus, you should not come back. Like, you've got it figured out. Like, I, I can't help you. 
if your heart can admit, maybe just to yourself, maybe just the mirror, oh, yeah, I could use Jesus in this moment. I could use an anchor in this moment. I could use some confidence in this moment. I could use some certainty in this moment. I could use some direction in this moment. I feel so overwhelmed. and It's like I can't see which way to go. I wish I had a rope. And I wish I knew that rope would lead me home. If that is the cry of your soul this week, then come back. Because this Christmas, I believe God wants to give each of us the gift of a break. Daily and weekly. Little pockets, little moments where we simply stop, breathe, reconnect with our Savior, get filled for the moment so that we can thrive in any blizzard that comes our way. I know you don't know how yet, but we got two more weeks. This week, just ask yourself, would it be better? Wouldn't it be better? And rest in the fact that it's what Jesus promises. And when we embrace his practices, it's what he provides. Because as we take his yoke, as we follow his teaching, his words, not mine, we will, not might, not should, we will find rest. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much. Oh, we're just, we're so grateful for your goodness. We're so thankful for your love for us. We're so thankful you came to earth. You sent your son to know exactly what it feels like to be us, which makes him the perfect leader because he understands exactly what we're going through. So Jesus, this week, show us how life would be better anchored to you. Make it so clear. And then bring us all back together next week so that we learn how to grab onto the ropes you provide in the storms of life. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.